Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality and geekdom by celebrating the diverse and their accomplishments. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I'm joined by another one of my friends. I've been so lucky lately, Nat Ostin. Nat, welcome. Hello. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. So, Nat, who are you? Uh, well, I volunteer with App Camp for Girls. Um, I wrote the curriculum that they use at their summer camp. Um, and when I'm not doing that, uh, I'm an iOS developer for Smile Software. Smile. I love Smile. They're the best. So, as people who have been listening for a while know, I actually know you um, because of App Camp. Um, and so I thought, because I'm starting App Camp Phoenix, and we've been talking about having you on the show for a while, I thought that now would be a, a good time to, to talk about App Camp a little bit more, because it's a thing I love to do. So, when you say that you developed the curriculum for App Camp, it was actually, I mean, yeah, you did that, but... I don't think App Camp would exist without you. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the whole thing um, started, Jean had this really amazing idea, um, and she approached me at WWDC a few years ago asking if I'd be interested in um, you know, picking up the coding side of that. Uh, so sort of tag-teamed it together, and... Um, she did all the organizing stuff, and I got to work uh, trying to build a curriculum and a way to teach this stuff to the kids. So let's back up just a little bit. And for, for new listeners who don't know about App Camp, will you um, offer a summary of what that is? Yeah. Um, so we're a nonprofit aimed at uh, fixing the gender imbalance in tech. Um, we teach week-long summer camps where we take kids that, specifically middle school age kids, um, and we teach them how to write iOS apps and they go from having never written any software before. There's no prerequisites, no prior knowledge required. Um, we give them all Macs and by the end of the week, they've made uh, three completely standalone iOS applications. Which is astounding. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I guess I should talk about where we are as well. Um, we started in Portland, Oregon, uh, let's see, what, three summers ago? And then we expanded to Seattle, um, and then the following year, Vancouver, BC. And now this year, we're hoping to exp expand to Phoenix and Southern California. There's so many app camps are going to take over the world. We are, starting with the uh, Pacific Northwest. <laughs> well. <laughs> and Southwest. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's right for the taking, right? Western U.S. and yep. Western Canada. Um, yeah, I'm... I'm super excited to actually be a part of this organization now. I just think that what, you know, like really the people in Portland have, have put together, because I know Jean has leaned heavily on, you know, you and, and other volunteers. And I just, I'm so excited that I actually get to take part. Like, I don't know, two or three years ago when I found out about it, I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. And now I'm like actually doing it. And we're really excited to have you. <laughs> so... You developed the curriculum and you did it starting with Objective-C before Swift was introduced. Um, so I thought it might be interesting to talk about kind of how, um, how you approached developing the curriculum and then what the evolution to Swift has been. Because when I volunteered over the summer, we were using Swift for apps. Um, and I know some of it, like a lot of it was kind of just like flying by the seat of your pants. But can you, <laughs> can you talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, it was pretty fly by the seat of your pants. Um, 
we started with the idea of what would the kids be interested in coding? Um, Cause you know, you can build a calculator or a hello world app, which ironically we do make. Um, but the meat and potatoes is the content. If you can get somebody building something that they're passionate about, then they're going to follow through with the idea. Um, and if we have them build a whole bunch of really dry computer programs, then by the end of the week, they're not going to have that passion and that love um, that's going to keep them interested in it and moving forward. Um, and this was something that I learned when I taught myself how to code. The projects that really captured my attention were the projects that solved a problem for me. So um, the curriculum started out with the idea, um, and this was Gene's dream, was let's have each kid create their own idea for an app and then build their own app from the ground up. And <laughs> I put the no-no on that one just because <laughs> that's, that's, that's lofty. Huge. That's yeah. huge. Um, you know, I've, I've spent months developing my own ideas only to throw them all in the trash can. I can't imagine, you know, having 12 kids build their own individual apps for the, um, you know, over the course of a week. That's giant. Um, so we honed it down from there. <laughs> um, and Just a little. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, to an idea that I think a lot of middle schoolers um, are really interested in, and that's uh, quizzes. Um, you take an idea that you're passionate about, a subject that you're interested in, develop a list of questions, and at the end you find out something about yourself. And that lets each group and subsequently each kid um, tailor the idea for what they build their app to be something that they're interested in. Um, so it provides room for that individual expression while still maintaining a format that lets us teach some sort of unified idea at camp. I love it. I love, um, so I, I didn't really do a lot of my homework before I volunteered. I just kind of flew into it a little blind. Um, and I wish that I had prepared a little bit more, but the coolest part of the experience for me, even, even though it was a five day long thing was like at the end of the first day, because each of the kids got their own iPod touch that was theirs to use for the week. And they got to take it home. And at the end of the first day, they had both a hello world and a calculator app that they made just, you know, simple apps, but seeing it, you know, you, you have Xcode up, you plug in their device you load it onto their device and then you unplug it and hand it to them. And then you're like, here you go. Here's your calculator app. And they're like, their eyes get as white as saucers. And they're like, this is so neat. And that was the best feeling. Like, I don't know. It was, it was genius of, of you or you and Jean or whoever came up with that to have like two apps at the end of the day. Yeah, that sort of came about as a sort of mushy, rambling progression of us honing um, how things were going to go. Um, at first, we started with they would build a Hello World app. Um, it's really simple. They just um, add some things into the storyboard, you know, labels and buttons. We talk about how storyboards work. Um, and then they write a little bit of code uh, to make a button uh, change a label to say Hello World. Um, and then the first camp, we actually jumped straight into the, uh, the, um, the quiz app, uh, and they devoured it within about two days and we're like, oh no, we have a whole week. What else are we going to do? Um, 
And one of our volunteers, Heather, um, who's also an iOS developer in Portland, um, started teaching the group that finished the first uh, first um, how to make a calculator. Um, and the kids really enjoyed it. And you know, I'm I'm in the back of my I'm in the back of the room scratching my head because I, as an adult, had a hard time getting excited about a calculator. I was like, how are these thirteen year olds getting excited right. about a calculator? Um, and the magic started with Jean's idea, which was like get them thinking about something that they're passionate about. So we start the week by having the kids brainstorm their big app ideas. Um, what would they build if they were an iOS developer? What problems do they have? What things are they passionate about? And how can they translate that into an app? So when we front load the week with this great idea, everything that they're absorbing for the rest of the week is with this goal in mind of creating this thing that they really care about. Um, and it meant that something as mundane as a calculator was something that they were suddenly really passionate about. Um, and I don't mean to discredit the calculator. It's cool and it's really fun. Um, I just, you know, at, at summer when you're not at school, something a little flashier sounds like more fun. Yeah. Um, so when at the end of the summer, we were looking through the different things that they learned in Hello World and in the calculator and in the quiz. And it all kind of fits together really nicely. The core concepts build on each other when you put them in that order. Um, and so the following summer, the uh, quiz app became the main pillar, or sorry, not I said that backward. Um, the, the calculator app became a main part of the curriculum, and it became something that we did before we did the quiz. Um, and I think it really helps out because then they have another way to learn these pieces before they apply them to their own ideas. Um, and it by repeating things three times, that's sort of the magic number to be able to really understand and comprehend them. So by the time the kids start writing, or the, we, should, we call them developers at camp, I should call them developers now. <laughs> um, by the time the young developers start working on their quiz app, they've um, repeated these concepts enough that they're thinking outside the box and how they can apply them. So the kids end up um, altering, uh, basically we end up breaking them into individual groups and they end up charting their own path for how they execute the quiz app so that they can, um, you know, maybe make the results page show different images, or maybe they, um, uh, that's really the big thing that they change, but they'll, it really they'll, is. <laughs> they'll go through and find other bugs and other things that they want to change about how the app works. And they're doing that because they're comfortable with the things that they've already learned. Um, and they learn stuff like if statements and switch statements and, um, all kinds of fun logic. Yeah. And I think the calculator app really, really helps them understand that the possibilities of of iOS development are not limitless, but there's a whole lot they can do because it's it's not just I mean, the first thing you do is you get it working right. And then the second thing is like, OK, now you've got like this blank calculator. How do you want it to look? What do you want the behavior to be? You know, and um, I know at the camp where I volunteered, we had uh, we had a group who made the label text change the color to the background color so that when you tapped on an operator, um, it looked like it went away. 
until you <laughs> like and if you didn't know the trick you didn't know it was there until like you couldn't do anything and you had to reset it um so just kind of seeing that and getting them like in the mindset so the first day they've got the brainstorming of of what could they do what kind of app could they make and then like hey this is really how easy it is especially you know if you're using storyboards where you can just click a few buttons and make sure you get a few conditions right you know you can con- completely change the way it looks and I think that then they can go home and they can start thinking about what that might look like later on and I think that's I mean it's just genius it's really cool that you stumbled upon that rather than being like oh let's make a calculator the first day yeah well I learned before I worked uh before I was doing this um I worked for Apple Retail um and I was a I was a genius for the majority of my time there but sometimes they would pull us over to do um personal training sessions um and in both of those um, experiences, you seldom know the answer to anything that somebody's asking you. You know, their computer might be broken or they might not know how to use a certain program. You probably don't know how to either. <laughs> um, and I kind of had to learn to fly by the seat of my pants. And I've actually found that some of the best ideas come when you're open to receiving whatever is happening and listening to what's going on and changing things on the fly. If there's this sort of preconceived script for how things have to go, that's usually when if somebody has trouble learning that way, or if you get asked a question that you don't know, you end up sort of stuck. Mm -hmm. Um, And so from the beginning, kind of my goal with this whole curriculum was to let it be this sort of fluid thing that would ebb and flow and change. Um, last summer, I think one of the coolest things that happened with it, uh, so we're teaching, um, the, we'd gotten to the quiz app and this one particular group of developers was just having a hard time with conditionals, um, and with order of operations. And those are two big key ideas in code. You have to, um, tell, you know, you have to write out instructions for every little minute thing that you want to do. And sometimes explaining the importance of that is difficult, Um, and the kids were getting it or the developers were getting it, but they were, um, getting stuck on the syntax of objective C. Um, and so they were getting frustrated because of this space or colon or square bracket. And I was watching some of them give up, um, you know, whenever they understood these higher level concepts when they were getting it. And so we ended up, um, over the lunch break, uh, I went in and moved all of the snippets of code into basically like word banks. So they're like snippets of code um, that are broken up and not in order. Um, And then I put in a few dummy ones that don't really work. And instead of having them type each thing out, uh, they just had to figure out the order by reading these snippets of code and figuring out what they do. And for Objective-C, it worked really well because then they weren't stuck on, like, how to type this thing. They were getting to think about the process and the logic, which is really the core thing about programming um, and something that it doesn't matter what language you type. If you don't understand those basic logic components, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, And it was cool. These this developers who were sort of struggling and not really, you know, having trouble being interested, all of a sudden, like, they spread their wings and they flew away and they were, you know, asking new, better ways to do different things and um, adding new features to their apps and, you know, thinking outside the box like we want them to. Yeah, that's that's what I loved is um, I thought the snippets were genius because they still had to be able to read the code. 
they still had to be able to figure out, like you said, the logic, what goes where they had to be able to decide what didn't belong um, on a in a particular file. And more than that, it got them interested because they weren't caught up, which is like what I do every time I sit down to learn how to code, which I still haven't done. (laughs) I get stuck on the syntax. And I that's an I'm so glad you thought to do that because it just I think it freed up um, a lot of room for exploration and it showed them that they could do it. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, It was really exciting to watch it come together. Um, And we've stuck with it this year, Swift made all of that so much easier. There's just so much less cruft. And instead of getting stuck on a lot of those issues, they are, um, you know, able to just start typing. But it still helps to have that because with the code banks, they it's sort of like putting on water wings or whatever those floaty things are when mm-hmm. you're learning to swim <laughs> because um, they get that confidence piece down of like, okay, I know how to do this. I know how to think about it. Um, we actually pass out whiteboards and they write down the steps that they think the code is going to need. Um, we also act out. Um, we, we pretend to program the NAT computer um, and they'll have us, you know, write out a list of steps in a scenario and then we'll act out what the, you know, what's happening, you know, underneath and read the lines of code and act and, you know, act each one out. Um, And when they go through all those steps where they've programmed, you know, the human machine and then they've figured out, you know, what order those steps go in and then they've picked out these code snippets and put them in order. Then when they want to make it do something that isn't scripted, they're like, oh, no, I know exactly what to do. Um, And they're not afraid to type because they haven't been, you know, stuck on all of these silly little syntactic pieces before. And at that point, they're willing to sort of grin and bear it and, you know, deal with the compilers of missing those little details because they've seen themselves do it already. They have that confidence. Mm-hmm. So what has it been like moving from Objective-C to Swift? Um, it's been a breeze. Like, everything about it has been fantastic. Um, it, just the code is easier to read it's there's less stuff you know inane things like square brackets and semicolons for the developers to get stuck typing um everything about it is fantastic i have no complaints do you use swift um like on your own projects or are you still using objective c I would say it's it's about 50-50. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that is being constrained to um, the projects that I'm already working on and what I'm doing at work versus what I'm doing in my spare time. So um, uh, as far as the projects that I'm working on independently, all of that stuff is done in Swift. You're so fancy. Ahead of the <laughs> I curve. just like drinking the new Kool-Aid is really what it boils <laughs> down to. <laughs> so this year is the first year that app camp is expanding to two new locations. It's been Portland to Seattle. And then the next year is Portland, Seattle in Vancouver, British Columbia. So this year it's going to be Portland, Seattle, Vancouver, Southern California and Phoenix. How do you feel about that? Uh, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really excited about it though. Um, we get messages and emails and tweets and stuff all the time from people saying, Oh, I wish there was something like this in our area. And I just look at each one of these new cities as an opportunity for us to share this with other people. 
Yeah, it was really exciting. So for the listeners who don't know, I got to go to WWDC this year, um, which is Apple's developer conference on a scholarship because of my involvement with App Camp, which means that I got to stand in the extremely long keynote line and <laughs> I got to attend sessions to learn about all the new, you know, amazing stuff. And um people were like, oh, you know, what are you doing here? How, you know, like, like, how are you lucky enough to have a ticket and all that stuff? So I had a lot of opportunity to, I don't know, evangelize for App Camp over the summer. And bar none, every single person I talked to was like, how do I bring that to my city? Yeah. Like, Princeton, we had people in front. I had people from Australia coming to me and being like, I want to start this in like Sydney. And I was like, I will help you. Like, I'll, I'll fly to Sydney and help you, help you get started <laughs> with that. Um, but that's the thing I love is that, I mean, I, there are definite naysayers for App Camp, but I think that most people are really, really on board with, with getting this established. And that's really exciting. Yeah, it's been incredible the amount of support that we've gotten from the developer community and you know the community at large um for app camp it's just i don't even have words for how grateful i am that the project you know this thing that i care so much about is valued by the community as well yeah yeah i've i've had a couple of people who say like i'm a guy and i want to to teach you know i want to help teach girls how to code and it's like that's great more power to you. App Camp is not where you can do that. And they get a little bit upset. Um, but for the most part, it's just like, how can I support you? And that's that's pretty cool. And I do want to mention that it is App Camp for girls, but really it's uh, kids who are um, non-binary or transgender or gender genderqueer in any way can also apply. It's not just just four people who or four kids who just identify as girls. Yeah. Thank you for, for actually saying that. I actually identify as transgender and use uh, they, them, or he, him pronouns. Um, and App Camp is a place for genders that are less represented. Maybe that's the better way of putting it underrepresented in the mm -hmm. tech community. Yeah. Oh, that's so much better. Thank you. I've struggled with how to put that. And that's so succinct. Thanks. It's it's a delicate thing to put into words. Um, yeah. But I, it's definitely an issue that's near and dear to my heart. Um, having a place to fit in and be yourself and learn new things is um, it's a really special thing. And it's really important to us. Yeah. One of, well, one of my best friends is a, a transgender man. And he's like, I want to help with App Camp, but I can't because I'm a dude. And I was like, nope, you can you can do this if you want to. So I, I just think it's really cool. I think it's just a place, a place where um, people from less represented backgrounds can can come together and see representation, see people who are like them. And I think that's so important. Mentorship is so important. Yeah, and I think it's vital for the kids coming to camp. Um, you know, if I had been 11 or 12 and had examples of all the different amazing ways that I could be myself, um, it, you know, I wouldn't have been figuring all of this out as an adult. Um, and I think being able to have that sense of community and knowing that you're not the only one is really great. So can I tell you a little bit about App Camp Phoenix? Yes, please. I'm super excited. So, um, 
I'm hearing all this for the first time because I'm <laughs> bad at checking Slack. So. You are. Well, I, haven't, I posted pictures in Slack and um, I can ask for permission to to post them in the show notes, too. Um, so those will be in the show notes if um, if it's all right with Arizona State University. But um, I kind of fell into my former boss from my college job is actually um, a member uh, faculty in the graphic information technology department at Arizona state. And um, when I volunteered in Portland in August, I was tweeting, you know, I was tweeting about it because that's what I do. And um, she was like, when do you get home from this? I want to hear more about what this is. And so we got together and I was just like, Oh, you know, here it is. And, and she was like, this is really cool. And I said, yeah, I know. And I really want to bring it to Phoenix. And I don't really know how to get started. And, you know, and she was like, I could help you. And so her name's Christina and she's become one of the co-organizers. And she's been really, really involved in getting a device lab set up for the GIT department at ASU. And actually, she... I saw it the other night and she was like, this is my third baby. <laughs> like, this is my third child. Um, so she's a, like a web UX UI designer, more front end stuff than back end stuff. And they have this lab that is designed for testing websites. And they have everything like Surface Pros, uh, Google Glass, um, I don't even know. I didn't even look at all of the devices. <laughs> they've got like, I don't know, Kindle fires and they're like all on shelves. And they've also got this wall of monitors. So you can go and you can pull up a website and it shows you what the website looks like on like Linux with, um, different op or different browsers and, um, Mac with different browsers and windows with different browsers. And so it's all set up to be like this user interface testing. They even have like a usability testing station that tracks where people are clicking on the page. They want to get one of those doodads that's like $40,000 that does the eye tracking so they can see where people are looking on the screen. They have a webcam with sound set up so that they can just like leave people in there and go to another room and observe them and what they're doing for usability testing. It's so cool. And that is going to be wow. our classroom. That's cool. Does that mean we even need a field trip? I mean, that that's pretty incredible. So this is the other thing. So, so Portland camp, and I think the Vancouver camp, but Seattle does not have a field trip, correct? At this point? Uh, yeah, I believe they do not have a field trip at this point. So because there are so many, like, startups and small smaller development firms they actually take the developers to go see like an actual office and so I was talking to Christina about it and I was like you know this is going to be kind of in the south part of Phoenix and most of the shops like that are kind of more way more north it's like an hour an hour and a half to drive there so that's really complicated for us to get there. And she was like, oh, she was like, we have this. I don't even remember what she called it, but we have this thing in another building where we can take them to kind of tour it and say, you know, this is kind of what Google looks like. And it's like got a loft with beanbag chairs and glass boards that people can write on. And, um, and so we're going to do that. And then I think we're also going to bring in some some female developers from the Valley and kind of have them come do like a lunch with us. Um, so that's really exciting. I don't know. Oh, I, that'll be cool. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. Yeah, that sounds like it'll be awesome. 
yeah. And like, I was like, and we'll need to have banners printed. And she was like, yeah, I'm, I'm the, um, I'm the faculty advisor for the graphic information technology club. I'm pretty sure we can get that done. And I was like, <laughs> this is the best thing ever. Oh, wow. So I'm really excited. Yeah, that's amazing. It's so great that you have her as a resource. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd be pulling my hair out right now if it weren't for her. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for the summer camp. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. It's going to be really cool. Um, so, but what are the logistics of all of this? Are you involved? I know, I know it's a lot of gene, but you're, you're the one who, so each team gets two laptops and one is more the development laptop and one is kind of the um, graphics laptop. Mm-hmm. But you're the one who's responsible for kind of getting everything down to a base state. So yeah. now that there are so many more summer camps, do you have a plan in place for that yet? How do you manage that? Uh, we're sort of shooting from the hip at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it kind of the deal is the first we we groom volunteers by having them come up um, to a Portland camp. Um, and they work as a project team manager like you did last summer. Uh, to be able to sort of see how app camp goes together. And then um, the following summer, when they hopefully put on camps, so like you guys are doing, um, either Gene and I or a combination of, (laughs) currently it's just Gene and I, um, (laughs) fly to the new location and then oversee or sort of proxy the camp. Um, And the level of involvement that... um, that I have in that is sort of dependent on the needs of the camp. So um, like in Seattle, we were a lot more hands-off and that just worked out the way the, the team was working and the staff was working. That was kind of what worked best for them. So we were there in another room and if things caught on fire or the unthinkable happened, uh, you know, we were accessible. Um, And when we went up to Vancouver, uh, they ended up wanting to have a more hands-on approach. Um, So I was actually in the, um, you know, in the room with Shayla and her, she was the lead developer for uh, the Vancouver camp and her and I kind of tag teamed it. Um, and I actually really prefer the second approach, um, being able to be there and to watch another group of people take this baby that we created and like make it into a real life thing. Um, I learned so much more about the curriculum and what it needs and, you know, where it's successful and where it's failing and how to make it better. Um, you know, I can only see as far as, you know, what I've got in front of me. Um, and so seeing how somebody else implements it is really cool. Um, and that that knowledge gets multiplied whenever two people sort of tag team it. Um, so that's kind of the model that we're hoping to replicate this summer. Um, and I think, you know, but of course that's flexible depending on, you know, the needs of the individual camps and what they want. We don't want to come in and say, we're going to watch you all, (laughs) you know, or we're going to do part of it or whatever, if if that's not what they want. Well, and I think as a, a person, I feel like this is going a little bit too smoothly for me at this point. I feel like I should be, (laughs) should be hitting more road bumps. Uh, So I'm wondering what's going to happen the week of camp, because that's just how I am. I'm like, this is, this is too easy right now. This is going to get hard. And what's going to happen? And who am I going to have to lean on? Um, and I'm most worried about finding a lead developer because, um, you know, getting, 
I don't, it's really complex, right? There are a lot of moving parts for that lead developer position. You've got to know the code. You've got to know, you know, how to teach it or, you know, I don't know, convene with Nat and figure out how they figured <laughs> out how to teach it. And like, there's a lot involved with that. And it, it's, it's more than just asking someone to, you know, give a week of their time. It's like, you've got to study too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big thing. And it's, it's um, finding an experienced iOS developer who can, you know, get that time off work and everything else is pretty difficult. Um, and that's also part of why we've made the decision to ship a gnat out to <laughs> ship uh, a gnat. <laughs> ship a gnat. <laughs> ship a gnat. That's like almost its own word. I like it. Um, <laughs> ship a gnat. Um, that's kind of why we've decided to approach it um, this way moving forward. We don't want um, the lack of a uh, local gnat, if you will, um, <laughs> to prevent the, the launch of, of, of new camps. And um, I mean, it's not scalable long term. I can't go everywhere. They unfortunately don't clone people yet. Um, but uh, at least in the interim, um, while we figure out better ways to staff our camps with lead developers, um, this will at least allow us to continue reaching um, new places um, and getting more support. And I also think like, you know, it's a lot of moving pieces to get a camp off the ground, at least watching it happen in two other cities and even watching it happen in Portland. There's, you know, you have to find, as you know, the space and you have to find the project team managers and you have to find an MC and you have to find, you know, this whole laundry list of stuff. Um, and when you add to that, um, you know, finding a developer who is experienced and who is willing to donate that time, it's just a whole lot to do. Um, and so we're sort of trying to find a balance between, you know, what's reasonable to expect a new camp to be able to do um, and what also gives them the autonomy to like spread their wings and do their thing. I kind of see it as maybe hopefully being like one of those you hear about oh, I went to Starbucks and the person in front of me paid for my drink. So I paid for the drink of the person behind me. And like, maybe we'll get kind of one of those going where whoever the Phoenix lead developer is will hopefully like be, want to do this still in three years. And maybe they can get the time to go to a new location and lead camp for a week and kind of mentor someone else and then come back and do the Phoenix camp or, or something like that, where we kind of get... Um, Maybe not Nat clones, but you know, <laughs> you know it'd, be, it'd actually be better if there weren't Nat clones because I learn a whole lot more, and I think we all do whenever there's multiple people interpreting the stuff yeah. and you know doing their own thing with it. So, but well, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see the way it grows, um, and I have confidence that uh, we'll figure out a model that works for finding developers everywhere. But yeah, I, I kind of feel like that's. Jean's kind of committed to like, let's just take this slow. Like we'll start two camps this year and that's doubling what we've ever started before. And we'll just see how that goes. And then maybe next year we'll start, you know, two more or something. And yeah, well, and we already, we, we have so many wonderful developers right now, you know, I mean, Laura Savino and, um, Leslie, um, what's Leslie's last, what last is name? Leslie? <laughs> I know. Uh, Baker. Baker, um, Baker and Shayla in Vancouver. Um, we have so many fantastic um, people on staff already or developers on staff already. I'm 
and our retention rate is super high. Like just to warn all of you listening who are thinking about volunteering. um, (laughs) This is a lifelong commitment. Yeah, it's a lifelong (laughs) commitment. I don't think we've had somebody volunteer and not come back in some way, shape or form. Um, Everybody has, it's just really fun and it's great. And uh, that's, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think just that, I mean, it's a stressful week. I'm not, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It's a stressful (laughs) week, but it is so worth it to, um, when you watch their eyes light up and when you watch them like sprint across the room to show their parents this cool thing that they made, um, it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And the, so we do a beginning of camp survey and an end of camp survey just to kind of see where the, the developers are and, and how they feel and that kind of thing. And um, at least for my camp, I don't know, have you ever had a negative, like, I really hated this. I would not tell my friends to do this. The only complaint we've had is why isn't it longer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even, even the developers who we're not really all that interested and we're kind of doing it just because their parents enrolled them and that's what they needed to do. And uh, by the end of the week, they're like, yeah, this is really neat. Yeah. I think my favorite story with that, um, we had one uh, camper developer who, um, you know, mom sent them, uh, she really didn't want to be there, was totally disinterested. And the whole week, I think this was Christina's, it was either Christina or yeah, yeah, it was Christina's group, um, was just not interested. Um, and Christina kept, you know, poking her and poking her and, you know, kept trying to throw different things at her to find something that would spark her interest. And um, at, at the camp, we try and make sure that um, the developers get an entire view of all the different ways that you can be involved in app development. So we talk about um, project management, we talk about developing, we talk about bug fixing, we talk about UI design, we talk about UX design, we talk about marketing, we talk about how you're going to make money off your app, like, we go through the whole roundabout, um, because there's so many different ways to be involved, and um, by learning all of those, not only are you well-rounded, but if one thing isn't fun, there's a lot of other options. Mm-hmm. Um and so we'd, the, the end of the week is bug testing because, um, you know, it's harder to test whenever you haven't made anything yet. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, and, and Christina, um, the, the, the developer found something. I can't remember what it was. It was some kind of bug. And Christina was, and, you know, she took it up to Christina and was like, hey, this is broken. And Christina was like, yeah, fix it. <laughs> and she was like, wait a minute. And she's like, are there other bugs? And Christina's like, I don't know. Why don't you try it? And she's, and so, um, the the camper started poking the app and found all these bugs and was like in hog heaven coming up with all these different ways that it was broken and then telling the other team members what was wrong um, and then learning to fix the bugs. Um, so it's cool to see how there are all these different pieces and how, um, you know, just because one thing isn't interesting, you know, there's a million other things to get excited about. Um, and the week at camp is always a little bit of a, a back and forth finding the thing that each um, developer is excited and passionate about. Yeah, for for my team, it was um, there was one um, one of the kids. We went on a field trip and they got to show what they had done at that point to to the female developers. Um and so 
they were like, oh, you know, like this is cool, but I kind of expected it to do this. Like I expected if I, I clicked on the picture, I tapped on the picture of this thing that that would be the button for it. And so we got to have this whole conversation about usability testing and user expectations and how that's a thing that people do. Like there are actually people who do usability testing and that is their job. And um, it's just neat how it kind of like organically evolves, like these things that I wanted to talk about um, that there wasn't necessarily time to talk about in like the, the overall class environment we got to talk about as a team. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really neat. And we had so many kids who want to apply for WWDC scholarships. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah, that's going to be a really cool thing for next year. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see some kids go to WWDC. Um, my first WWDC, um, I actually ended up sitting at the keynote next to an 11-year-old boy who had released more apps into the app store than I had. (laughs) (laughs) He was, you know, brilliant and incredibly smart and so well-spoken. And I carried on like a good 30 minute conversation with him before the keynote started. Um, And my buddy Evan was sitting next to me anyway, and both of us were just floored at him, Um, you know, thinking like, wow, what what would it have been like for us if we had had those kinds of opportunities as an 11 year old? Um, So it's really powerful for me now to, what, four, five years later, um, becoming full circle and now being able to be responsible for helping more kids um, end up in that spot. Because, you know, as an adult, it's really rad. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as as a young adult, I think it would be even more incredible. I can't even imagine doing something like that at, well... I couldn't imagine doing something like that in my 30s before last summer. So, you know, but like as a teenager, it's huge. It's just huge. Yeah, it's exciting. So before I let you go, can I actually find out the Nat development story because or Nat developer evolution story? Because I don't actually know how you got started um, developing things, developing apps. (laughs) Yeah. um, So I worked for nearly five years at Apple Retail. Well, let me go back a little bit further, actually. Um, I went to college for fine arts. Uh, I studied uh, painting, um, a combination of classical Dutch and Baroque oil painting, um, and uh, watercolors were my two favorite things. Um, And I graduated from college in 2008, right around the time that the economy totally went south. And there weren't a lot of job opportunities available. Um, And right before all that happened, a buddy of mine um, was like, you should come work for Apple. He'd been working for Apple for for Apple Retail uh, for about a year and was super passionate about it, really enjoyed it. Um, And so he sort of sold it to me as this insurance policy. Like, you'll graduate and if, you know, the art career doesn't completely pan out, then you have this other thing. Um, so I started working there and I did that for, um, let's see, that wasn't quite, anyway, whatever. So I did that for a while. (laughs) Um, and I became a, 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 they call them geniuses, um, and did a bunch of tech support and did some personal training. And what I noticed was that people would come in thinking that their thing was broken. And in reality, a lot of the time they just didn't know how to use it. 
Um, and so over and over again, I saw these examples of UI design or you know the way a product worked fail its users. Um, and it's really, it was, you know, frustrating and heartbreaking because you're like, no, 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 it works, it works, look. <laughs> um, but it got me thinking, how could I make this different? How could I make it better? Um, and about that time, um, I met up with my buddy Evan. Um, his name's Evan Delaney. Uh, and I met up with him and had a beer. He'd left Apple and was working for a data recovery company. Um, and I was kind of like, how can I do something else? Like, how can I move on from this? Like, what's the next step? How can I take all this cool stuff that I've learned and turn it into something else? And he was like, oh, I don't know. Um, let me think about it. You know, I'll give you a call later. Um, and so he calls me back a couple weeks later and he's like, I'm actually thinking of starting a company, um, that makes iOS apps. And I think maybe you'd be a really good fit because you have all this technical knowledge, you know, all the ways that people get lost or stuck using an app and you do art, which means that you understand like problem solving. Um, and I was like, wow, I'd never thought about how art and, like computer things kind of go hand in hand, but you know, the more I thought about it, the more I could see the connection. Um, so he was like, here's a couple of books, read these chapters, and if you're not falling asleep, call me. <laughs> um, so I read the first little bit of um, Programming in Objective-C by Stephen Cochan, and I was like, this is so cool. So I call him back and I'm like, I like this, what do I do next? Um, and he mentored me through the entire process of learning to code. Oh, wow. And yeah, he's he's an amazing dude. Um, and so he took me through Stephen Cochan's programming in Objective C. Then I went through the Big Nerd Ranch books, um, and I went through the Big Nerd Ranch books expecting to go to Big Nerd Ranch when I was done. Um, I, maybe I'm just like really process oriented, um, but I assumed that you wanted to do the books first and then go oh, no. to the camp. <laughs> it's not that way. It's not um, that way. It's kind of so either or. Yeah, so I finished them, and Evan calls um, Mikey Ward, who's one of the, the dudes that teaches at um, Big Nerd Ranch, and was like, uh, hey, Nat finished the, the books, so like, let's send them to, um, uh, to, to Big Nerd Ranch now. Uh, and Mikey was like, they finished the book? And Evan's like, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and, uh, and he, Mikey's like, y you, don't, you don't need to go. If you can do the book <laughs> on your own, you're good. <laughs> um, so uh, then that was right about the time that I um, started working full-time for, for Evan. Um, he has a freelancer, like, for hire iOS development company called Fishhook. They're based out of Atlanta. Um, and I worked there for quite a while. Uh, and kind of cut my teeth and shipped a whole bunch of apps to the app store and learned a whole lot. Um, and about two years ago, um, I left that to go work for Smile Software. And that's kind of how I ended up here. Um, but it was that experience of having somebody take me under their wing and teach me and like believe in me um, that made me really passionate about App Camp. And that's why when Jean came to me and said, I have this really great idea, I want to do this thing. I was like, absolutely, because it was having that mentor that got me here. And if I can do that for somebody else and pay it forward, then I like that's exactly what I want to do. I can't think of a better team either. Like, honestly, because I don't know, like, I love you both so much. Um, <laughs> you're both so open to like, you have a mission, but you're so, I don't know, so open to talking things through and figuring things out and not dictating, which is, I think a lot of times when things like this get, um, 
like when people try to get rolling on big projects like app camp really is, it's like, no, this is how it's going to be like, this is how we're going to do it. And instead it's just like, okay, well, you know, what do you think about this? What if we tried it this way? Well, what if we, what if we did it that way? And, um, I just love, I just love hearing about the evolution of curriculum and that kind of thing, because I think it just shows how, how important it is to the organization to the people running the organization that um, that it's evolving and it has to meet the needs of the people doing it instead of being like, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, I think anything that involves collaboration is a lot like cooking. You could follow a recipe and be really rigid, but the reality is sometimes you're going to run out of ingredients or maybe there's something that pairs better with that chicken or whatever. And if you're really closed off and rigid, then you're going to miss out on so many incredible opportunities to try new things and experience something new. Well, Nat, is there anything else you wanted to talk about today? Uh, I, no, we've, we've talked about a lot. We have. That's what I like about this show. So how can people find you online? Uh, I am UI Pop-Tart on Twitter. It's like UI pop over, but or uh, UI pop up, but tastier and not deprecated. I was wondering. <laughs> I've always wondered how UI pop tart came to be. Yeah, um, when I was first playing with the UI pop overs for the first time, um, I was like, "Oh, they remind me of pop tarts." Now <laughs> I want a pop tart, and <laughs> uh, and that was that was how that started. And now I've been soft deprecated, and that makes me sad. Aww. <laughs> but pop tarts are still tasty yes exactly um and then you can also find me on the app camp for girls website so many pictures of nat on the app camp for girls website <laughs> you can find the show on twitter at less than or equal if you have feedback suggestions for guests or would like to be a guest please go to relay.fm slash ltoe and fill out the contact form if you have a few minutes i'd really appreciate a review or a star rating on iTunes. It really helps people know that the show is good and be able to find it. Thanks for listening. Until next time on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for Less Than or Equal. <laughs>